yeah, before we really get into it, do you mind, Peggy, if you give a little bit of background as to who you are, um, how you came about, you know, writing so many books to help so many people? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when I was when I was young, like maybe 19, 20 years of age, I was working for a company based out of Toronto. And it was January time frame around 1979. And they had hired this keynote speaker to come in and do this kickoff event. And we were told as employees, you must go to this event. And it was in an evening. And I was kind of like that little brat kid who was like, that's my time, you know, <laughs> and I didn't want to go to some positive thinking seminar. I was a pretty miserable person and I was suicidal actually before that. I had lots of thoughts of suicide. I had no will to live. I was pretty much a miserable person and I ended up going to this event kind of like kicking and screaming all the way and when I got there, the room was filled and the only seat was front row center. And I thought, oh, crap, you know, I got to go sit there. So I went and parked my butt down and the speaker came on stage and he literally woke me up. He started saying things were, which were uncommon. It was an uncommon way for me to think. And, you know, things like if you want your life to change, you must change and and. You know, I had always thought it was my parents' fault that my life was a mess or it was my destiny, if you will. And and so he also said this. He quoted Vernon Howard and he said, you can't escape from a prison unless you know you're in one. I was in a prison. I was in a prison of my own making and didn't even realize it. And so it was on that evening that I made a decision that I'm going to study success because my way obviously wasn't working. And this... <laughs> Speaker knew what he was talking about, and the speaker was Bob Proctor, and he offered a series of seminars at the end of that night, and I signed up. I didn't have the money to pay for it, but I, you know, went with my credit card, sort of sheepishly, going, "Oh, I hope it goes through." You know, it was back then when they used to slide the machine, you know, like this kind of thing. I hope it goes through, and fortunately, it did. Probably put me over my limit, but. I, you know, I got to attend the events and that's when things started to change for me, but it took a while because it was a constant, you know, tug of war going on with the old way of being and this new way of thinking. And, you know, I had to put a lot of effort into making the changes. And so after a while, I started to realize that, oh, okay, I, you know, I'm positively changing my life. And then I made a decision. I want to help other people. I was in a lot of emotional pain. You see, emotional pain, we don't always see. You know, we can sometimes see it by the evidence, right? By, mm -hmm. the, by your results. Just look at the life and you know. And uh, But we don't always see what's going on and whether people are in emotional pain and if they don't have a will to live and things like that. So I just decided if I was experiencing that and not everybody knew it and probably putting on a brave face throughout the day, that there's other people going through it as well and I want to help them. So I made a decision to incorporate a company, even though I had no earthly idea how to <laughs> make a company or create a company and run a company. My father was a janitor. My mom had worked in a, in a factory, and so they weren't entrepreneurs. I did not go to school. I had no formal education. I just had desire. And I felt that with common sense and desire and with study, I can make this work. And so I incorporated a company in 94 and haven't looked back. I mean, it's been 30 years. You know, wow. I've, I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, like, I don't realize companies fail in the first five years or whatever. It's like, well, that's fine. That's not going to be me. 
And so it was around, you know, I started running the company in 94 and somewhere around the early 2000s, I thought I'm going to write a book. And that's what led me to write my first book. I did not plan on writing 21. Maybe there's going to be 22. I don't know. But uh, it's an addiction. I had two addictions, one personal development and two writing books. They became really <laughs> good addictions. It, you know, there's a few things that you said there that I think is really key to me is first, you have to realize that you're in that that prison. Yeah, you, you have to realize that you're there. Um, the second one is you have to invest in yourself. And sometimes that means pulling out that credit card, right? And, and, and running it. It's an investment in yourself. And so many people are so cheap. <laughs> no, they just don't want to spend the money on themselves to to learn, to do something. And then the others, you're, the desire, you have to have that desire to succeed or to, to get better, to move forward. So I love that you mentioned those three things. Yeah. I want to ask you right off the bat, so the viewers and listeners know, is there, what is, um, we'll start with one. What is one thing that they can do to, um, to help themselves? Yeah, that's such a great question. And it's a, it's a great understanding to just know where to begin. And, you know, the truth is this, like, you know, reading a book or watching a seminar or listening to your podcast or whatever, it's not going to change their life. It could, it could be the, the precipice, you know, like the, the, the first step to change in their life, but there's going to be an investment of time and energy and very likely money as well. So if you realize it, it's so worth it. Like when I think about coming from a very poor dysfunctional family to creating multiple millions of dollars, it's not about the money. It really isn't, but living a fulfilling life. Like I really do live a fulfilling life now. What is that worth to you? So yeah. even if, you know, like when I think of what I've invested in personal development over the years and, and what the return has been, it's like exponential. There's an exponential return. So understand that before you even get into it. Because I think if people know there's a huge upside to all of this, then that may inspire them to, you know, make a decision to positively change their life and to do something about it. And it may keep them into the the uh, study as well so study study is a really important thing to do study is the way to expand your understanding study is a way to expand your awareness i study every day i actually have a study club where i meet with the members of i, I call it club achieve every morning at 9 a.m we get online and we study, we're studying this book right now, Raymond Hollowell, Working with the Law. We have studied some of my books as well, but we study classics, you know, the classics, Robert Collier, Napoleon Hill, Earl Nightingale, Dr. Joseph Murphy, James Allen, like the books that have really made a big impact in my life and, and some of the best pieces of work that I've ever found. And so study, make a decision that you're gonna study every day, get a study partner and then keep each other accountable. I also have a study partner and we meet at 8 a.m. every day and we study <laughs> together. So a little bit of an addict, I know. <laughs> Extreme, maybe, but it only serves me for sure. Wow. Um, you know, going along still with the investment, uh, the investment, and like you're saying, investment of time, I also look at it as um, you have to believe in yourself. Right. So, you know, it's if you're trying to convince yourself that, 
you want to spend the money to get ahead, you still haven't, to me, you still haven't taken that step to believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, you understand that this, like you said, is worth it. And the return is exponential. It just tenfold comes back. You're so right about that. I like you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, you absolutely must believe in yourself for sure. And one of my great authors, the, the great master teachers that I study from is Neville Goddard. And uh, he talks about something called concept of self. And the way you think about it is, think about the way you'd first love to live your life, like what you'd love to accomplish. And then you think about, well, who is that person? Who is that individual that has accomplished these things? Are they somebody who perseveres? Are they somebody that you know, has faith and has developed a very strong, unwavering faith? Is it somebody that easily visualizes their outcomes, you know, that feels it in their heart on, on a regular basis? Is, is that who you are? And you've got to create it. And of course, our beliefs are part of our internal programming, right? Or in mm -hmm. our subconscious mind. And our subconscious mind is running the show. I mean, it's really running the show. 90% of all of our activities, the way we're thinking, the way we're feeling is coming from our subconscious mind, which is our programming. It's already in there. So our conscious mind, which is what we're dealing with right now, our thinking mind is only a small percentage of it. But that's why you want to continue to put in the good and put in the good and put in the good and put in the good until you build this strong belief system within you of who you are. Like, you know, when I, when I talk about that girl that I was before, it, you know, it, it makes me smile because I don't even recognize her. Like I, I know that when I look in the mirror, that's still that same, you know, DNA, it's still the same DNA, but I am such a different person today to who I was back when I was a 19 year old suicidal, miserable young woman. And why is, why is it different? Because I changed my concept of self. I had to believe in myself. I had to build that faith within myself. I also had to believe that I'm worthy of it. And we all are. I mean, we're all destined for greatness, but some people, and I, and I know, because I used to have this belief as well, I used to think that my destiny was misery and poverty. Mm. <laughs> they sound like two dishes that you serve at dinner, right? I'm gonna have some misery <laughs> with some poverty tonight <laughs> with a side dish of anguish, you know? <laughs> and uh, and that's uh, not a good thing to be feeding your mind with every day. But if, you know, if you think about 90% of our programming is automatic, then we realize like, oh my goodness, like I gotta do something about this. I've gotta be active in the creation of this concept of self. So create that. You know, another thing, sorry, Chuck, I know I'm probably talking way too much. No. Peggy sound bites <laughs> anyways you know one of the things that I did years ago and I did this with my son as well I have a son who's 30 years of age right now but when when he was little I had created something called an identity board and I put a picture of myself in the middle I put it on a Bristol board that you get at the office depot store and on the top it said who is this woman anyway and then you know I wrote all these qualities of who she is you know she's uh, determined she's courageous, she's brave, she's uh, inspiring, motivating, she's goal-oriented, she's focused, you know, she's kind, she's loving, she's giving, you know, all of these things that I put on this identity board sort of descriptors of, of who I am. And I put it on my wall in my bedroom. 
And I'd see it every morning and say, this is who I choose to be today. And at night I'd see it and it's like, was I that person today? And it's kind of like a reminder. And my son saw it and he wanted one. I think he was three when I first created it. So I did one for him. You know, who is this little boy anyway? And I put his picture in the middle and we put all these words around it. And then one of his friends came over one time and saw them like, I want one. And, and he went to French school. So we did it all in French. And, and so that's a way of building your identity. Create an identity board. I love that because we are all, all of us are filled with doubt and self-doubt. And some people are just so full of it. And like you were saying earlier, you need to put in the good. You need to put in the good. You need to put the work in. And creating that identity board gives you that daily reminder of who you are or maybe for some who or what they want to become successful, you know. Yeah. And success doesn't necessarily have to mean monetarily. You don't have to be, you know rich to be successful you don't have to be rich to be happy although it does help sure it totally helps (laughs) but we gotta start someplace yeah i've been rich and i've been poor and rich is better (laughs) (laughs) we could be rich in knowledge and rich in just ourselves so right yeah i mean out of all the books that you have authored is there you know is there a, a a book or a handful of books that can help folks guide themselves uh, to this type of personal enrichment or success. Do you have a yeah. series of books? I do. I do. You know, as, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about, like, I feel like I'm a mother of 21 children. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have 21 books and they're all my babies. And if any author is listening, they know what that that's like, right? And which is your favorite baby? <laughs> <laughs> Like a mother, I don't have a favorite. I love them all equally, right? But, you know, I my 19th, 20th, and 21st book are called Savvy Wisdom, Savvy Wisdom 2, the sequel, and then Savvy Wisdom from Beyond. And frankly, when I wrote Savvy Wisdom, I didn't plan on writing another one or another one. <laughs> they just they just came to be. They They had a life of their own. But these books are written as parables. And they're written as a story because people do want to be entertained more than they want to be educated. But the reason why they're beneficial is that the character that I created in the book, Sophie, the main character, there's another main character I'll tell you about in a minute. So this girl, Sophie, was suicidal. So she goes to a park one day to kill herself and she meets this gentleman in the park who becomes her friend and her mentor. And his name is Savvy. S-A-V-Y. No, I didn't spell it wrong. A lot of people tell me, you spelled it wrong. Uh, no, I didn't. It's a name. <laughs> Stephen Alexander Vaughn, and people called him Savvy. And so that's where it comes from. But why these books are so beneficial with lessons on how to live a better life or how to manifest any desire that you want is because I wove in the greatest lessons that I've ever learned from my life and how I've overcome tremendous challenges from being diagnosed with metastatic cancer, from going through a divorce, from losing my parents and my brother, you know, from uh, almost going bankrupt, like, you know, poverty challenges and things like that. And so the books are just filled with, well, of course, it's a story, but they're filled with suggestions, you know, application. One of one of the uh, things that I have in the second book is something called Savvy's Easy Code, which is kind of like a code or a way to live your life by, right? Like it's like your your uh, way of being. And that's that is a uh, valuable piece of wisdom that Savvy had given to Sophie. So the way that I wrote it, it's kind of like Bob Proctor was my mentor and my guide. 
and thinking the way Bob would think, and I've shared the stage with him so many times before he passed, um, what would he say? What would he suggest? Because he was the greatest mentor that I had. And then he went and died on me. And so I wrote a book called Savvy Wisdom from Beyond. And what happens in this book is he comes back because she's, she's hungry for him. She's, she's desiring to have a connection with him again. And he had said to her before he died, which he did in real life, like, all you have to do is think of me and I'm there. Like, dry those tears. Like, I'm not gone. I'm still there in consciousness and, and I would connect with you from spirit. And so he starts showing up in her life, in her dreams and gives her guidance and helps her deal with death, dying, and grief in that particular book. But the first book, you know, it's about overcoming adversity. She was suicidal, her life was a mess. How do you turn your life around? It really is all about that. You know, going through a number of challenges. The second book gets into more career type things where she's attempting to build her business and be successful as an entrepreneur and the challenges that she goes through in that and then gets diagnosed with cancer, the character Sophie does. And of course, I went through all that. Like, you know, I was hospitalized, you know, I'm laying there in bed too weak to even get up and walk because of the treatments, the treatments were killing me. And, um, and so it deals with that. So that's what I've done with these three books in this trilogy is really provided these valuable life lessons that I've learned from the last 45 years of studying success and helping people to understand them through the story. I love that you put it into parables and I also like really like that you've broken that down into series because sometimes you know you throw a book at somebody and it, it and it's like four inches thick and you're going oh i don't want to even start that yeah like but, this one here secret of the ages one of one of my favorite books but yeah it takes it takes a while to go through it and if it's monotonous kind of reading then people don't stick with it mm-hmm that that's that is so true uh so you you you've you've gained the strength you've gained this wisdom now that you're there what what more is there mm -hmm. i it sometimes you know people get to the point and they they get to they finalize their goals and all of a sudden they revert back Bro, that's what yeah. i think they go back it's like what do i do now so oh for sure yeah. so peggy what is there <laughs> after yeah, such a great question. You know, think about athletes or actors, you know, they make it big and all of a sudden they, they start to fear, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's certain types of emotions that are completely destructive and poisonous. And one of my great mentors taught me that it only takes a little bit of poison to kill, like doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, disillusionment. They are, are poisonous. How do you know which emotions are poisonous? The ones that don't feel good. <laughs> They're mm -hmm. the they're the poisonous emotions. And the truth is, because we've already been programmed, I mean, when, by, by the time I met Bob Proctor in 1979, I was already programmed in a certain way. So I had to replace that programming. But it's still there. Everything we've ever taken in, into our consciousness, into our subconscious mind, is there. It's made an impression, you know, from even when you're a child. That's why sometimes you, you might see a, a, a show on television where, and my husband and I watched this documentary recently, and it was based on a kidnapping that occurred, I think in 1974 in California, where these kidnappers kidnapped a number of children that were on a school bus. 
and they kidnapped these children. And the reason why they kidnapped children is they felt if they kidnapped 26 children from a school bus, the government would give them anything that they wanted, which was probably very accurate. And so they kidnapped these children. They put them in the back of a, of a big truck. You know, it was kind of like a storage truck or whatever. They put them in there. They put some water in there. Um, they put in a little bit of food. They had air so that it was ventilating, but they had buried this truck in the ground. So it was like pitch black. Now they were only in it, I think for 16 hours, like less, less than a day, but what a traumatic experience for these children from the age of five to 14. That's the age of the children that were, were captivated. And what's fascinating is we watched this documentary and we saw this one girl who immediately decided to find the blessings. Like, what are the blessings in this experience? And she seemed like a very healthy, well-adapted young woman. Well, I guess she might not have been that young. It was 1974. <laughs> and so, but anyway, she was on there and she was telling the story and she looked really good and really polished, looked like she was living a nice life. And then there were another gentleman, and there were a couple other people that were speaking and they're still crying. I mean, they're still upset. And I don't mean any disrespect to, you know, come or have no compassion because they went through something that was traumatic. And you can go through traumatic experiences. I've been through traumatic experiences, but find the blessing in them. Like find mm -hmm. the blessing and leave it. Like leave the trauma part of it behind, right? Because if you keep reliving it, you just give it more and more and more and more energy, Right. It's like when when you're young and thinking there's no boogeyman under the bed, but all you're thinking about is the boogeyman and the boogeyman. And that boogeyman becomes so big and so scary that you're running into your parents bed because you're afraid of something that's not even there. And this is what happens with a lot of people is they're holding on tight to these old, you know, these old experiences that they had and they're allowing it to continue to dictate the way that their life is going to be. So you got to let it go. Yeah. Now, I really believe this, you know, we're, we're either growing or we're dying. We're either getting better or we're getting worse. So you've got to get in the study and stay in the study. You got to continue to have a goal and it's natural. Every human has natural desire for more. It's just part of our makeup, right? Yeah. So honor that, recognize that, go for it. And it doesn't matter how old you are. I love, there's a chapter in one of Dr. Joseph Murphy's books called Why Grow Old, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I see that too with a lot of people. I'm 65 this year and I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, things are going to get tight. You know, like, it's like, why? You know, because you've decided they're going to get tight. What if they got better? What if you earn more money in your decade of your 60s than you ever earned in your life? And there are many people that have done it. So you got to continue to have goals, get goals if you don't have one and continue to stay in the study and work on you. This is a constantly evolving thing. And yeah. Uh, yeah well, I'm, I'm glad that you're saying goals because that's what I want to ask you because we need to learn to change the narrative sometimes. And that also means that you need to, if you've accomplished your goal, add another or have another goal. If and the way I think, too, sometimes with goals, we set these lofty goals. Break right. it down. Break it down so you can achieve those goals and make them milestones. Have some milestones and celebrate a little bit so you can achieve that sure. end goal. Or I also look at it, too, whereas, gosh, you know, I've been working on this. I'm not going to quit, but I'm going to change the narrative. I'm going to add a different goal, and I'm going to try something different. It doesn't, And I don't look at it as quitting, but I like the fact that you say 
you know, keep adding goals, keep growing. Growth is very important, I would think, right? Adding goals yeah. and. You know, one of my favorite quotes, just thinking of, of, you know, talking about a goal and then breaking it down into milestones. One of my favorite quotes is by Napoleon Hill. And he said this, he said, no more effort is required to aim high in life, to demand prosperity and abundance than is required to accept misery and poverty. And, you know, the first time I heard that, I probably didn't think anything of it, but I just started really thinking about it. No more effort because we have the ability to manifest anything. And we think about earnings, right? Like people are usually earning what they think they're worth, but there's so much more that we can be earning, you know, as a, as an individual, we can be earning endless amounts of money. And that's one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur is that ability, but there's other ways, investments, you know, real estate, there's a lot of different ways to be earning money, but you've got to see that for yourself. You know, we were talking earlier about the concept of self. You got to believe that that's who you are, you know, and that you're deserving of it and that you're worthy of it. That's another issue that a lot of people have is this deserving issue. So when you set a goal, you got to sort of grow into that goal of, of having it. I think back to 1995, I was going through a divorce with my first husband, Charles, and our son was two at the time. And I decided I'm buying a house. Now our matrimonial home was on the market, but it was in a declining market. And we just couldn't give the thing away. We were dropping the price, dropping the price, no visitors, no, no buyer. But I wasn't allowing that to you know, influence me in any way. I stayed focused on my goal. And that was to own a beautiful home that I lived in with my son. And so I would go out looking at homes that when there'd be open houses or go to builders and see their new home showrooms and things like that. And then I found a house that I decided to buy. I didn't have the money to buy it, but I knew enough at that point of how this process works of manifesting. And I decided I'm buying it. So I made it a decision. I took a pen and signed a legally binding contract and felt fear like whoosh. Like, and there was this little dialogue going on, like, what the hell are you doing, Peggy? <laughs> like, you can do this. <laughs> you know what to do. And, and so there's like this battle going on. And it's like, who's going to win the battle? Well, the one you feed is going to win the battle. And I just had to shut that voice up and build this one up to be really strong. And, and ultimately, I ended up closing the deal on that home. And I owned it for eight years and sold it for almost twice what I paid for it. But it was a tremendous growth experience as well from doing that. But a stretch, it was a stretch for sure. But when we set these stretch goals, that's where we grow. Because the biggest benefit is not that you're going to accomplish the goal. The biggest benefit is who you become in the process. Because once you do it, you can do it again and again. Yeah. You know, the journey is often, um, the, the, to me, the journey is often the learning experience. That's where you learn is along the journey, along the way. When you get to the end, it's just the end. It's, yeah. you know, what, have you, what have you learned? Everything that you learned was on the way to getting there. So, exactly. Um, so it's, gosh, I, I, I want to make sure that people know where to go because you have given so much information and this has been really good. So they need to go to go.peggy. You can just McCall.com. They can go, it'll, if you type in peggymccall.com, it'll take them directly to the, I know the website address comes up a little weird. It's the service that we use, but okay. they can just go to Peggy, P-E-G-G-Y-M-C-C-O-L-L.com and they'll, they'll find freebies there. I do videos, three tip videos on success every week. I've got a couple books that I give away. One's called Yes to the Dream. It's right on the front page of my site. Another one is called The 
Power Life Script quick study guide. And so lots of free stuff there. And we all love free, even though we talk about investment in ourselves and sometimes at a cost, free is always good too. For sure. <laughs> uh, you know, you're, well, let's see here. It, it, the, we, we've kind of talked about really the investment of time is really worth it in, in oneself and things, uh, it's always good to learn all the time. Is there something else that you can add to all of this to help people jumpstart? Because I know oftentimes it's so difficult for us to get started. A lot of us watch, listen to things, and then we watch and listen to things, and then we watch and listen to things, but we never start. Peggy, right. how do we kick ourselves in the butt and get started? <laughs> yeah, you know, I love that. And when I think back to the the 44 plus years that I've been studying personal development, you know, if, if I just look back, you know, for a moment, 2020 is, you know, just, you know, hindsight uh, can be such a great thing. You know, what would I do differently today to what I may have done back in 1979? And that is that you got to understand that whatever you desire, or however you want to be living your life, it's all about the feeling. It's all about the emotion. You got to feel it because that invokes something called the law of vibration and the law of vibration will attract to you the results that are going to be reflective of that energy that you're expressing. And so in the middle of the 90s, in, in fact, when I bought that house and I had to deal with the fear and turn it into faith, I created a process called Power Life Script. And so what I did was I just, and this is what I suggested everyone do. It's all about you. So you're going to enjoy doing this. Write down what you would love. What would you really love? What would you love to experience in your life? How do you want to be living your life? And just don't allow any limited way of thinking. Don't think I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not in the right country. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough education. Throw that crap right in the garbage because that's where it belongs. And just think from a place of infinite possibilities. What would I really love? And then you write all that out. Okay, what do I need to believe in order for that to happen in my life? I need to believe it's possible. I need to believe that I can do it or I've done it. I need to believe that I have the faith. I need to believe that whatever you need to, I'm worthy of it. There's a great one. And then what are you going to feel when that is in your life? So get some clarity around that and then write a script. So this is like your life script. It's for your eyes only. It's not going to be edited. It's not going to be shared with the world. It's just something you're writing. And write it in a way so that you can see it and feel it. Like you're seeing and feeling that life. And I've done this with every accomplishment I've ever set. From homes to my relationship with my husband now. We've been together now 18 years. To uh, the success that I enjoy in my career. To the success of my books. Getting on the New York Times bestseller list. I've used it for anything and everything. Health, you know, when I was, you know, sick, I've used it for that to regain my strength, to feel healthy, completely healthy, 100%. All of that has all been a part of my Power Life script. So what I did was you write it, you record it, you listen to it. Now, all you have to do is listen to it. Once it's written, done. You know, once it's recorded, done. Then all you do is listen to it. Now, you'll update it because your goals are going to change, right? You'll start to notice things. And you, you can change it anytime you want. And then you record it. I listen to mine for hours every day. I've already listened to it today. I mean, it's still the morning. I've already listened to it for two hours. And I listen to it for hours and hours every single day. And a lot of people think, well, that's a lot. Well, you could be listening to it while you're, 
you know, laying in bed, if you're just laying there for a little while, you can be listening to it while you're out walking the dog. You can be listening to it while you're doing the dishes. You can be listening to it while you're in the shower. If, if you have, you know, waterproof headphones, I suppose, or a cap on your head. Um, I actually was in the shower this morning with a cap on my head, listening to mine. <laughs> <laughs> and what that does is you think about the, the subconscious mind, which is running the show. It's impressing it into your subconscious mind through repetition. And it is the greatest technique I've ever used. It's the most powerful technique I've ever used. And so if I was just starting, that's exactly what I would do. I would go straight there because what's nice about it, all you have to do is take this, your finger and push play. Yeah. Like, how much more difficult could it be? It's so easy to use, but so powerful too. You know, the one thing you just now said, repetition is key to a lot of things in success and, you know, achievement. But I also like the fact that you, there, I love the identity board. I'm going to do the identity board. Mm. And I like the fact that, like you said, um, have no limitations and write right. down what you want and then write a script. You often hear people say, split a page down in the middle, put your positive negatives. You didn't say that. You said it's more positive. Yeah. What do you want? And write that script. Make that that narrative. Write it down. So mm -hmm. no negative. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're already full of that. So, <laughs> so I, I mean, you have given really a wealth of information. So thank you. I, I have to say thank you on that. And in, in closing, I really want to ask you, uh, I know for some people this uh, plays a big role and for maybe others it doesn't, but faith. Um, did faith play a big part of this for you? Does faith make a difference? Um, how does that come into play for, for folks who have um, maybe a spark of faith? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have goosebumps that you're asking that question because, you know, it's like that quote, faith can move mountains, even if it's just a mustard seed of faith. Faith has everything to do with it. It is such an important emotion. It is like a muscle that we can build every day. That's why an identity board would help build the faith of who you are, that concept of self. Listening to a Power Life script every day would build that faith of, of you already accomplishing those goals. And there's other things that we can do to build faith as well. Being in gratitude, doing affirmations, visualization, it can all contribute to faith. But faith is the most important muscle or emotion as far as uh, manifesting your goals. Peggy, thank you very much for today. I have enjoyed our conversation. It's been so much fun. So natural. You're so natural. I feel like I've known you my whole life and I really enjoyed it. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs>